Welcome to Doc Talks, brought to you from NerdWorks Media. Welcome back to Doc Talks, where I Doc Talk. It's good to start doing these systematically again, one right after another. It has been amazing and fun. I hope everybody's doing good today. A lot going on. We've been going through clerics. This will be our finale for clerics. It's just interesting. It took us four of these to get there. I think it's more the time that I have in the podcast. I do this for 45 minutes. I put out 30 in the podcast form. So I hope everybody's doing awesome. I hope you came out and caught Bros and Dragons. Our season three and re-release of Bros and Dragons is back after quite a long time of being on a hiatus um we're back and running again on twitch and soon that will be a podcast so we will let you all know when that comes around a lot of talk in the DD community and i i honestly just want to skip it i don't want to touch on anything little things that i wanted to, to remind you of i on podcast form i have the basic rules of DD link so you can look at the basic rules if you've never played before i got character sheets uh, i highly recommend looking up the the basic rules creating a few character sheets and then that'll give you an idea of the game as you're reading if you're already playing and you have a hard time doing character backstories in the podcast there's a link uh, to amazon i am not getting paid for this it's a really neat backstory book to help you out and then, of course, if you're playing at a tabletop and you've been looking for stuff to measure out spells, I always use a tape measure, but I found these pretty uh, pretty neat AOL spell templates, and I've been putting them on the podcast links as well. So if you want to, you're more welcome to look at that. We're jumping back into clerics. I think we have three or four more to go. Um, so before we jump into that, as I have been doing, let's start with what all clerics get. And then we'll jump in. And what I'm doing is I'm literally just going through, seeing what you have, explaining it a little bit better, and letting you know how I would play that. Or if I have played it, letting you know that that was like, I think that role play is super important and sometimes we miss that. So all clerics use medium up to medium armor. Just because you have medium armor doesn't mean that you can't use light armor. And then if I remember the rules, if your DM is really detailed in the rules, you can only sleep in light armor. So it's always good to have an extra set with you anyways, um, depending on how your DM plays the game. If you can't sleep in heavy armor or medium armor because it causes you to make rolls or you're not super high or there's a chance that you will not get a long rest, I highly recommend having an extra thing of light armor sitting around. Clerics are divine casters. They go up to the full nine levels of spell casting if they if you just do cleric uh, all the way through um <clears throat> on that though just remember that you do get to change your spells after a long rest so you do you have that ability again role players it's a minute per spell level of spells that you're changing out um and if your dm is big into following that it gives you a chance to have a little bit of time to express your cleric a little bit more. Whether you're playing one that's following a god or one that doesn't follow a god, it allows you to introduce that better. All clerics use simple weapons. Again, domains add to these. They don't take away from these. But all clerics get simple weapons, medium armor, shields, light armor, and are full casters, or divine casters. 
Everyone gets Channel Divinity as you go up. All clerics have the Turn Undead Channel Divinity, and as you level up, you get the Destroy Undead Channel Divinity when you use your Turn Undead, and that goes up with you as well. These are, again, all clerics have these. At 10th level, you get to make the, what I think is the hardest role in D&D to try to get employ your, go, uh, your god to assist you in something for the day, and that is DM Dependent, so keep that in mind. Again, at 20th level, it happens automatically. There's roles for that at 10th level, and then everything in between. The everything in between is what we're talking about here. And today we're going to start with Tempest, and I think we're going to finish. We're going to do Tempest, Trickery, Twilight, and War. Those are the last four published ones. There's a new book coming out September 21st from D&D. I'm not sure if it's adding to it. I really haven't checked it out. But this is what we have so far before the release of the September 21st. 2021 book so like mario said here we go all right so all these clerics again you have all that at your disposal including the death cleric out of the dmg the death cleric is a lot of fun and if you're gonna play cleric look into it seriously you don't have to play it as evil unless you have a dm that that's kind of how the dm is playing the game it's part of the universe it's part of the world the realm whatever don't surprise any of your dms by just showing up and if you have a DM that tells you to go ahead and make a character because they trust you, ask them to spend some time with you. When they ask you to play in their game, um, you should force them to be a little bit more invested in the realm that you're in. And you're not going to know what that's going to be like unless you talk to the DM about certain things. We're going to go into the Tempest Cleric. Now, I have played a Tempest Cleric before. In fact, I believe it was the second Cleric I played when 5e was released. It was a half-orc living in an orc tribe. I followed an orc god. Uh, the devotion was about the strong surviving. I really loved it. It was a lot of fun. And I used Tempest as my uh, association. And there were some reasons why. In fact, it fell into a lot of mechanics when I was thinking about this character. So for the mechanics, right off the bat, we're going to gain the heavy armor and martial weapons. These, when they say that, these are not your grandpa's clerics, right? These are in the fight, up there. They could have some healing, but most of the time, outside of life cleric, uh, the clerics have other things to offer to what's going on around them. And so when you see the heavy and martial, your cleric's meant to be into the fight. Now, you can play your clerics however you choose to play your clerics. I'm not here to tell anybody that they're playing a cleric wrong or domain wrong or anything. I am just here to give you your options and explain a few of the mechanics. In the fight, we might just have some healing, but remember the natural elements of thunder or lightning, those are going to be ours. We are storm clerics for a better description than just tempest. At first, you're going to gain wrath of the storm as well. Wrath of the Storm can be used a number of times equal to your Wisdom modifier. They do this a lot for clerics. Wisdom's usually the one that you want anyways with spell casting. I will talk about when I get to Paladins, if you're playing a cleric, you're more than welcome to tune in and listen. I will explain a little bit more about switching the key ability to another ability in certain builds. It's not a big deal. People have done it. It works. It's just a better paying attention to it. Again, we can use this... As many uh, times as we have Wisdom Modifier, uh, up to the number of our Wisdom Modifier. It's a reaction, and the opponent has to be five feet from us. No matter who the opponent's swinging at, the opponent needs to be five feet. You can use a reaction to rebuke them with Stormy Energy. 
They have to make a deck save. It's only for half. It's not meter beat kind of normal cleric stuff. But when they do fail, they get 2d8 lightning or thunder damage. Dealer's choice. Extra that round. And you can do that a number of rounds for your wisdom modifier. This is a, we're in a terrible situation. Things have gone south or we're fighting a big bad person. We need to put as much damage as possible. This is the I am the storm moment. Your positive energy is being switched into storm base, storm control, natural energies. It is an amazing cleric in and of itself, but it's amazing uh, when they were writing the rules out. It's kind of a, a, not amazing, but neat, different way of doing clerics and pushing energy, um, different domains. The channel divinity option when you get there is something called destructive wave. Again, remember, you don't lose that turn turn undead. At higher levels, your turn undead does still destroy undead. All that's still there. This just gives you another option. And this one is your storm power is unchecked. When you roll lightning or thunder damage and you use this channel divinity, you automatically deal whatever max damage that would be. And at higher level, it's pretty devastating. And I'm talking about higher level of spells, not necessarily you, which they do meet each other. They're uh, understandably connected. But, woo, doing thunder or lightning damage is getting max out of the roll is probably one of the neatest mechanics that they could have given. You are fully thunder and lightning, and as time goes on, you're probably, if you're like me, you'll switch it up, but if you're like some of my friends, you'll pick one and go with it, and both of those are right. There's nothing wrong with that. Later, you're going to get thunderous strike, which means that anytime you deal lightning damage, this is very specific, to a large or smaller creature, you can push them 10 feet away. Automatic, no save. If you tap these together, not only are you going to give them the most amount of lightning damage that you possibly can give, you're also going to push them 10 feet away from you. There have been some people asking me the question about an enemy or creature being forced out of an area and getting attack of opportunities. I will tell you this is DM dependent, but what I know about the rules, and I'd really have to look it up because I really got this question a lot today, which made me think of it. The way the rules are written is the enemy or creature has to willingly move out of the block to get the attack of opportunity. It can't be forced unless it's written into the spell. And again, written in the spell makes it an exception. But the way the rules are written, unless that enemy is leaving on their own accord out of that, you do not get an attack of opportunity. Now, DMs, if you want to play exactly by the rules, yeah, go ahead and hear that out. But if you don't, if you want to have fun at your table, this is something you need to bring up to your table. And remember that your table can be different. D&D 5e is written to be rules as guidelines, not rules as written specifically. They were trying to get away from the 3.5 exact wording stuff when they wrote this. It was very important for them to do so. And We have to remember that when we're making the decision on some of these rules, that it's all dependent on our table. Also know that some of the rules are written not to take away fun, but to make it more strategic. I know a lot of players, especially if you're a new DM, hear me out, (laughs) you... You want to give your players everything, and there's nothing wrong with that. I encourage you to attempt to say yes as much as possible. But do remember the more you do. 
drinking potions as a bonus action. Um, as many take the weapon out, put it back in free, two and around kind of things. The more you do with that, the less you take away from the economy of the game. And the the creatures themselves, if you listen to anybody who's played forever, the the fights are already easy enough. You're making them easier doesn't make any sense, considering that the CR and the CR mechanic in 5e is broken to the player's uh, benefit. And as more things come out, they I've noticed that they become more and more powerful. The stuff that comes out in the later books is more granulated, is more powerful, is more option-based, has more destructive power, more healing power, etc., etc. I encourage you to, since the game is already breaking itself, try not to break the game too much. The other stuff is, it's fine for your players to have to make a decision. It's good for them to decide if they're going to drink a healing potion or attack, and they actually have to make that decision. They may be upset about it, but the reason Pathfinder, Starfinder, and other games are still so popular is there's a group of people, and I'm one of them, that when I end a fight, out of five people, two or three go down, the other two of us have less than 20 hit points apiece left, and we win, that feels like an accomplishment. If it's just given to us, it's just putting video games on easy or god mode and going through it, and that's fine to see the story, but the game itself is no longer fun. Just keep that in mind as you're looking into this. And that's just this Thunder Strike ability brought me into that, so I do apologize. That's not me. I got I sidetracked myself. That's unusual, but I did it. You get a really cool Divine Strike ability. Now remember, most of the times with clerics when you get a divine strike it adds extra damage according to your domain to one hit per round in this case it's extra thunder damage on one attack in the round it starts at 1d8 later on you get 2d8 which doesn't seem like a lot and considering most clerics only get to swing once it's not a ton but the cleric class is meant to hold out be a caster that also has martial abilities Unlike wizard and sorcerer, when you run out of all these spell slots and your sorcery points, the cleric actually has an ability to do something else, along with the druid, which we'll get into uh, either next week or the week after. I have to do some other stuff, and we've been talking about doing it on a Doc Talks for you. You run out of spells with your cleric, you're okay because you can still contribute. They also give very neat, specific cantrips in case you need to do something else and i know they're usually hit or miss but it's fine it i don't know why when i talk to people i feel like all they want to do is hit every time like missing is part of the story the greatest fails are the things you talk about trust me as a person that's been playing for 30 years nobody talks about the stuff that succeeds unless it's absolutely crazy stupid thing that should not have succeeded that did you remember the stuff that didn't succeed. You remember the funny moments or the, the stuff that made you think outside the box. Watching a ranger break their arrow and, or excuse me, break their bow string, not be able to have another bow on them so they use an arrow as a dagger was really interesting. 
or when you get a little bit outside the box and see what your players do to overcome things. That's where the game really meets the road. At 17th level, you gain Stormborn if you make it that far. Outside of that, as long as you're outside, you can fly up to your current walk speed. Whatever it is at that point, if you make 17th level. And again, the reason I say that is a lot of books, a lot of us, when we DM, we don't go to 20 all the time. Now, I've done a few campaigns that we have, and good, good on those campaigns. Good to make it there. But a lot of times, the characters don't make it to 20. They make it to, when we say higher levels, we're talking 12 and up. And even that is kind of unheard of sometimes. And it's nothing wrong to do it further than that. But I will tell you that a lot of the books that are out outside of like one-shot dungeon crawls are made for you not to really go above 15. The story ends there unless your DM adds more to it. And good on those DMs. If you're having fun, there's nothing wrong with continuing on. The storm guides you and you kind of guide the storm. Doc Lannister mentioned like a Thor-like character. You could. You could also have, I, I don't, be a character that when you sense a rainfall, you pray for a violent rainfall. You crave to be in the storm, and it doesn't matter. It's pure, unabridged power to you. And whoever your god serves, or however you serve as a cleric, you could play into that and see that and play that as as it is the the power and searching for more power the storm itself that you are the storm itself against those that oppose you is a really neat way of looking at that so we're going to go through some of the domain spells these are not i don't think any of these have much to talk about fog cloud what it is stop people from seeing you thunder wave is one of those spells that people hurt other people with I'm not saying I did it with my druid to one of Mike's characters, but I did do it with my druid to one of Mike's characters. Read Thunderwave, because even though it's a cube centered on you, all you have to do is be touching an edge of the cube from your block, so it doesn't matter. Use that to your advantage. Gust of Wind. I told you before, Gust of Wind and Windwall, and some campaigns have been the difference. It's funny to watch a... a a very tough boss fight be just canceled out because you're on top of a cliff and somebody just wins them right off. Shatter is an ever useful spell in and out of combat. I can it's been used so many different ways. Call lightning, sleet storm, most of these you have to be outside, but they're really neat and, and can be used very uniquely spells. Control water. Ice Storm, all these are what they seem of. Destructive Wave, Insect Plague. I have no idea why Insect Plague, to be honest with you. I don't think of Locust Plagues or, or that as storm-based, but somebody did, and it made the cut. These, the Storm, the Tempest, Cleric, is a lot of fun to play. I can tell you that from personal opinion. It's a great time. It is pretty awesome. We're going to jump into Trickery here, and I know that there are fans of certain shows that have seen Trickery Clerics as of late. That is fine to play them that way. There are so many ways to play a Trickery Cleric. The first time I saw a Trickery Cleric was I was DMing a game, 
and one of my buddies, dads wanted to play and played in forever. He jumped in, sat down and asked him what he wanted to be. And he said, I want to be a televangelist <laughs> and to use trickery cleric to do this. So he would travel around, take donations to a fake church that didn't exist, preaching and demanding that people be brought to him for healing and to demand payment for the healing or tithing or something. And then tell them that the God demanded that they tithe to him and that if they bring him money, they would be blessed and they'd be even more blessed if it was more than tithing. And of course, God's watching you, so he knows. And he would travel from city to city with the group, was a great companion to the group, but it was amazing to watch the moral argument inside their heads about what they wanted to do. Those are That's one way. There's so many different ways to play this cleric. This cleric does not have to be destructive. You can play it more the trickery of Loki than the trickery of the Traveler or the trickery of the Televangelist. Or I had somebody once try to play it, pretend, try to pretend to be a paladin. I didn't see the point in that, but it was really interesting to watch. And it worked out okay until everybody got a little bit more critical thinking and was like, no, it doesn't make sense. And so there's a lot of out of character at my table we talk about stuff that makes sense and everybody has a chance to voice themselves so this came up in conversation it was just too much so we actually let him switch to paladin when you take this domain at right away you get a blessing of the trickster you can touch and give a willing character who's not you it's very specific you can't give it to yourself advantage on stealth checks dexterity stealth checks particularly but if you're using a variant it's talking about stealth no matter the ability that you're checking it and it lasts for an hour this is pretty awesome if you're starting um a thieves or assassin guild and you want to do trickery cleric for that this would be helpful and it would make sense to be part of that group you can invoke duplicity as your channel divinity right that's the the extra channel divinity option you get it doesn't it, and it's not like this dumb thing where you just create uh, an extra of yourself. Right away, you can cast spells from your duplicate. So the spell's limit, if you put your duplicate out there, it's 100 feet from you because it can be. And a spell is 100 feet. You basically get 200 feet on the spell. Uh, you can also use your duplicate for advantage. Outside of using flanking rules, this is written into the rule, where as long as your duplicate is five feet away from what you're attacking and you're five feet away it's distracted by the duplicate and you get advantage on your attack roll cloak of shadows is another channel divinity option um, and basically it allows you to become invisible so you have three options for your channel divinity going in using trickster clerics and and you still have all the other things of being a, a regular cleric at your disposal you do gain Divine Strike, which gives you an extra D8 of poison damage. I don't know why poison, but apparently trickery and poison go together. I can see it in certain avenues. Later on, you can create more duplicates if you make it that far, and the limit is four. So you can create five of yourself doing different things out there. Think of this, if your players aren't playing DMs, think of this as a great NPC for your game. 
And it doesn't have to be a big bad. It could be a helper NPC that's morally ambiguous that causes the players to think about what they're going to do with this character. You get some neat domain spells, too. You get Charm Person and Disguise Self right off the bat. Then you gain Mirror Image, which is super helpful all the time. You gain Pass Without a Trace. You gain Blink and Dispel Magic. You gain Dimension Door and Polymorph. So far, nothing here is an unusual spell, but they are a cool line of spells together. And then at ninth level, you get Dominate Person and then, of course, Modify Memory, which is always a fun spell, depending on what you're doing and if it works. Have fun. Take chances. But remember, taking chances has negative consequences as well as good consequences when you're playing them. Be safe with your trickster clerics. The Twilight Domain. Now, before we get started, for those of you that don't know what Twilight is, when the sun sets and it's still light, so it's not dark yet, those are the twilight hours. It's a period when daylight is still available, but the sun is down, night is not there. It's historically known as a time of relaxation and peace. And so I think when I read this, I felt like that's what they were trying to get at. And we'll hit that a little bit. This domain has quite a bit right away, too. First, martial weapons, heavy armor, because why not? What's more peaceful than being protected, I guess, and, and hitting like a dump truck? Second is one thing called Eyes of the Night. You get darkness out to 30 feet. Dark vision, excuse me. And even if there's a slight dim light, you see it as bright light. And in full darkness, you see it as dim light. There's no real dark vision here. There's no gray. You're still seeing the colors out to 300 feet. You also get to share this with a number of uh, creatures up to your wisdom modifier. But you only get to do that once a day. But that's pretty neat in and of itself. It kind of answers the question about using torches or lights even though those give you bright light and can see in bright light, as long as there's dim light available, you're good. Vigilant Blessing. You can touch one creature. And with this, you can do it to yourself as well. I know some of these we said we couldn't, especially the um, Trickster Cleric. But you could touch one creature, including yourself, and give yourself advantage on the next initiative roll. It ends when you use it or when you assign it to somebody else. That's all at first level, by the way. Which is kind of amazing. Second level, you get your channel divinity option. Twilight Sanctuary. You cast a glow of twilight and it moves with you for one minute. Creatures that end here can either end one charm or frightened effect that they have. If they end their turn in the bubble. Or gain 1d6 plus the cleric level temporary hit points. That don't restack. So once they're gone, they're gone. At 6th level, you get Step of the Night. Which, if you are in dim light or darkness, you can give yourself a flight speed. At 6th level. You could do this up to... You can only do it for a minute each time. And you can do it up to your proficiency bonus each day. And so proficiency bonus doesn't get as high as like levels and other things or even modifiers sometimes depending on what you have. But it's kind of a, a neat little thing unless you're going Eric Krokra 
and then you're just flying anyways. Eighth level, you get your divine strike, and this time it's psychic damage. I don't understand the fold of that, but I do understand if you're thinking about being relaxed, what the opposite would be. So I guess that meets that. If you make it to 17th level, you get the Twilight Shroud. You grant half cover to allies that are in your Channel Divinity bubble if you're using Twilight Sanctuary as your Channel Divinity during that time. The domain spells that come with this are a lot of fun. Right off the bat, Mike's favorite first level spell, Fairy Fires in here, along with Sleep. I, I have had that work 25% of the time, but that makes it more fun for me. You do gain Moonbeam, which is kind of interesting and a neat spell in and of itself, and see invisibility. You get Aura of Vitality. By the way, auras are pretty awesome when they're used appropriately, but they are situational. You also gain Liaman's Tiny Hut, and this is at 5th level spellcasting. 7th level spellcasting, you get Aura of Light and Greater Invisibility, which is... A game changer a lot of times against some very powerful things. And then at ninth level, Circle of Power and Mislead. Now I know some of you really haven't seen those two very much, right? We don't hear a lot about Circle of Power and we don't hear a lot about the spell Mislead. And they're high level and I could tell you if you haven't heard of them, mostly because you haven't uh, when you get to your ninth level, you're using it on something else. Ninth level spells, you become stingy depending on what they are. It's also a crossover, so it's an abjuration. You concentrate it for 10 minutes. Divine energy radiates from you, distorting or diffusing magical energy within 30 feet. The sphere moves with you, and it's centered on you the whole time. Each friendly character or creature in the area including yourself, has advantage on saving rolls, uh, saving throws, excuse me, and other mag uh, against spells and other magical effects. When you succeed in here on this effect that allows it to make a saving throw, you're going to take half of the damage. So when the affected creature, you, succeeds on a saving throw, made against a spell or magical effect, if the spell is half the damage, it's the no damage. If you succeed on the saving throw. But it's hard when you got to decide between that and l legend. Um, I can't remember the whole uh, spell, but there's a legend spell or wish or whatever these high level spells are. Those are the ones that you have uh, at your disposal. Mislead, you become invisible at the same time. An illusionary double of you appears where you were standing. The double lasts for the duration, but the invisibility ends when you attack or cast a spell. So it's regular invisibility. You can use your action to move your illusionary double up to twice your speed, and it may, it may gesture, speak, or behave in a way that you choose it to. You can see through its eyes. I don't see mislead being super effective, but people have found ways to use it. And again, it's not normally a spell that clerics have at their disposal, if I remember right. And, and I don't remember. I could be absolutely wrong. This is... This cleric is very proactive, right? Um, wanting or even taking on the responsibility of protecting everybody in the party. I know it sounds funny, but that's the twilight thought process. You want everybody to be calm, relaxed. You want them to be safe. You want to protect them. 
I don't know if you want to play it overprotected, but this would be a good one to do it with if you wanted to play that kind of character. And chances are, you probably may be the moral compass, but I could see this being played morally ambiguous. A little swing as long as it's towards the, the good uh, way of being a cleric. You could absolutely change it and go another way with it. I'm not telling you not to. I'm not telling you to. I'm telling you that mostly that's what this one is. So our last cleric is the war cleric. My first cleric I ever played. First, and obviously, you're going to get mar martial weapons and heavy armor because you are a war cleric. You also gain war priest, which you can get a second attack. If you've used an attack roll, you can get a second attack a number of times up to your wisdom modifier per day. It doesn't increase more than that, and again, clerics don't get the second attacks. You'd have to multi-class to get those, but if you did multi-class to something that had two attacks, you could gain a second attack with that as well, or another attack with that as well. You gain at your first divinity or channel divinity option and this one has multiple you gain guiding strike so if you roll and you really need to hit it's one of those make or breaks you see the roll but before the dm tells you if it hits or not you can use your channel divinity to add 10 to your attack the thought process is your god your spirit your domain excuse me your god your spirit your domain or something however you're playing your character drives you to hit because you are good at war when you get your sec uh, second option at level six you get war god's blessing it's the exact same thing except you can use your reaction to give it to another pc that's within 30 feet of you there's always limitations but if something really matters the rogue's going in for a hit they have to hit you can hear the roll Ask to wait to hear if it succeeds or not, and then choose to add the 10 to that roll. Eighth level, you get your Divine Strike, which for war is interesting. It's a D8 extra of whatever weapon you're using. So if it's slashing, it's slashing, etc. It just doubles whatever the attacking is. And I thought originally, I was like, oh, it's kind of blah, blah, blah. But it makes sense when you think about war. Even though you have the magics, this is really about your martial abilities and putting on top of that as well as everybody else in your party. If you make it to 17th level, you get Avatar of Battle. So you gain resistance to all bludgeoning, piercing, slashing damage from non-magical weapons. At this level, a lot of stuff that's attacking you obviously is attacking you with magical weapons. But if your DM's playing by the old set up dm rules it's one main bad guy and minions minions don't usually use anything with magic so it's this cool thing and, and and i know this war is not as powerful as people want it to be but it was written in the player's handbook and i understand other things that come out that are more powerful but let me tell you about Sh sheila blandersmith that was mine she was a renowned paladin hunter in enan in a land of adura from the Bros and Dragons podcast. If you listen to that, seasons one and two were in Dura. We're actually in Enan and Adura. Enan, where she was, she was a paladin hunter there because for a long time, paladins were illegal in Enan. 
She was always the first run into battle. She never backed down. She stood against the renegade paladins of Enon. She was not without empathy. And what I mean by that is when she had to sentence somebody to death, first off, she would do it. She never let anybody else take that responsibility from her. But on the flip side, she would go off and deal with that loss. And sometimes the players caught her crying. The other PCs would see her crying. She didn't want to take a life, but she knew she had to. Well, she found out she didn't have to, which made it worse. She always thought something was wrong, right, until she met the, the knight commander of the paladins of Jundar there, which is a made-up god from the Bros and Dragons series. Um, and not only saw the folly of what she was doing or that there was something wrong, but she actually ended up falling in love and marrying that knight commander in secret. And when the paladins were found to be wrongfully accused of the crime that they were accused of, a little bit on her helping, but it was a different series. That She demanded to be judged because she didn't carry out her orders. Because she had done all this. And so she was a cool character, and I had it conflicting, where she knew it was right not to kill them, but she knew it was wrong to not follow orders as well. Because she was a cleric of war. It wasn't like a normal domain for her. They became the generals of Enon after the queen gained her throne. And, and even after, um, at the final battle against the legions of armies of Deimos, she was there with her paladin husband to save all existence. And that's the end of Clerics. We made it. I was not sure watching the time if I was going to make this or not. Next week we'll either get into Druids or Mike had some ideas about building... Um, NPCs to help you guys out a little bit with that because we need to build some NPCs for Bros and Dragons. If you missed it, it's every Monday night. We start at 5 p.m. Pacific, so Mountain it's 6, Central it's 7, and you weird East Coast people, uh, it's 8. So that'll be at the starting time. If you tune in, you're listening ahead of the podcast, really far ahead. And you're listening to approximately two episodes, possibly, with the way we've been recording. That's what we look like we're doing. So, If you guys have any questions, you're more than welcome to stop in at the Discord. Check us out there. Send me questions anywhere. Um, I will answer them as best as I can, and I'll get to them as soon as I can. I really appreciate everybody coming out today. I love it when you guys are here. I love you all. Keep it nerdy and live your dreams. Later. This has been a NerdWorks production.